Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 138 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet, with the neatest people in the industry. On today's episode, I'm joined again by Angela Miles Beeching, who is not only the author of Beyond Talent, but she's also a full-time music career coach. In today's episode, we discuss shameless self-promotion, how to write a better bio, starting with none other than mine, Angela's work as a music career coach, and much, much more. If you're enjoying the show and want access to extended ad-free versions of episodes just like this one and many others that feature the extended lightning round questions, you can get access for as little as $1 per month to the Clarinet Patreon edition at clarinet.com slash subscribe. Today I ask Angela some additional questions including what's your favorite life hack, what was the best advice you ever received, and which living artist would you travel around the world to see and why? Thank you so much to our current 64 Patreon backers for helping make the show possible today, and also to our season sponsors. We've got Encoda, and that's a new app that lets you stream, practice, and perform tens of thousands of music scores. It's kind of like Netflix or Spotify, but for sheet music. You can get a free trial today at Encoda.com. That's N-K-O-D-A dot com. We also have Legere, of course. Imagine a reed that offers complex performance and sound, but is washable, recyclable, consistent, doesn't require moistening, and lasts for months instead of days. It's all possible with Legere Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand made right here in Canada. Legere Reeds are used exclusively by some of the world's greatest clarinetists, including Eddie Daniels, Corrado Giuffredi, David Schifrin, and many others. And now, it's your turn. Experience Legere Reads at your local music store or by heading to Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. And last but not least, we have Bakun. Take your playing to the next level with Bakun Musical Services. With 14-day trials, free shipping on eligible orders, and expert advice, you can be sure you're making the best choice for your musical needs. For Canadian customers, be sure to check out the new store that allows you to pay in Canadian dollars. And for everyone listening, you can save 10% on your next Bakun purchase with code Clarinet at checkout. Again, that's code Clarinet at BakunMusical.com. Angela, today I'd love to just pick your brain about a specific topic, and that is not only how to write a great bio and resume, but also how to self-promote, I don't want to say shamelessly, but unabashedly, and maybe (laughs) taking charge of that without feeling so self-conscious about it, which so many musicians do. It's so common that people will say, I hate self-promotion. They'll also say, I hate networking. I can't stand this stuff. This is the truth. I have clients who come to me because they want to work on their self-promotion materials. And we get started, you know, they're working on drafts. And what I see is just a lot of procrastination because they've got so much resistance to this. And I've had people say, you know, the reason I'm not doing this work is that it makes me feel horrible. So they start working on their bio and they immediately start comparing themselves to everybody else's careers. And it's weird, but no matter how much the person has accomplished, I've worked with musicians at all points in their careers, everybody feels the same way. They feel like they haven't done enough. They don't have enough to put in the bio. And they're basically, the story they're telling themselves is that they are not enough. And it's really a shame because it's sort of the climate that we live in. And I think it's often and a product of being in music schools where we spend so much time focusing on what we want to improve or what's not right yet in some way that the glass is always half empty. So a lot of the work around self-promotion is about being able to own what you actually have accomplished and to be able to 
talk about it from a place of genuine enthusiasm, not like, look at me, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, but to say, I love music. I love performing or I love teaching or whatever it is you love and being able to say why. These are the kinds of things that can really bring a bio to life where suddenly you feel like, oh, there's a real person here. It's not just this laundry list of awards or schools or places where they've performed because after a while, all that stuff just starts looking the same. I love that. You know, we also read so many bios when we're in school, too. So I think we get a bit intimidated. It's like, you know, you're watching a concert and the person's got, you know, 75 degrees and all these accomplishments. And, and you're looking at that going, hi, huh, well, how do I start as a recent grad? How do I compete with that? But in a way, I, I bet, and maybe you can provide some thoughts on this, but it's almost easy to compete with that because those bios are usually written so boring, so plain Jane, and they're not a great introduction and they make the person appear totally unreachable. So what would your kind of first starter points be to, to make it more interesting, exciting, stand out? The early exercises that I give people when they're going to work on a bio is fun, but it won't immediately give you a new bio. So I have to tell people it's normal to go through six or seven complete rewrites. And this may take over weeks to get something that you really feel good about, but it's a process that's worth it. So Early exercises that I give people, especially if writing tends to freeze them up a bit, I just ask them to record on their phone them having a conversation, an imaginary conversation. So picture you're sitting across the kitchen table um, with a favorite relative that you're connecting with. You haven't seen this person in a while. And let's just say she's a favorite aunt. She's, you know, from across the country. She's coming and gonna get a chance to hear a concert of yours. And she wants to just know like what's been up with you. So she might ask you a question. She might say to you, Sean, I know, you know you've been playing forever and I've never really had a chance to ask you this, but what is it that you love about music? Or she might say, I'm so excited to be coming to this concert, tell me, what are you really looking forward to? Like, is there a particular piece that especially, you know, sets you on fire? You know, what is that? So I suggest to people just talking this out on their phone. There's a blog post that I have with like four of these kinds of questions because it often loosens people up a little bit to talk in a more human level. And if we're coming from this place of, generosity of wanting to share the music and wanting to share our enthusiasm, that connects with people. And you're not going to talk down to your aunt, right? You're not going to use all these fancy musical terms that she's not going to care about. You're going to talk more like a human being. I love that. So I have an idea that might be kind of fun here. And this is totally live and unscripted, folks, so this could go anywhere. <laughs> but what if we read my bio? and do like a critique of it. Okay. Okay, so this is my biography for my artist page at bakunmusical.com. And I wrote this, by the way, I didn't get any help with this. This has been kind of my go-to bio for a couple years since my last rewrite. So you know what, it is time. And pull no punches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Sean Perrin is the founder of Clarinet.com and the host of the internationally acclaimed Clarinet Podcast and OK Podcast internet radio shows. He's also an active performer, recording artist, and music educator who lives in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
Sean has performed as a substitute clarinetist with the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, the Red Deer Symphony, the Bow Valley Chorus, and many other local ensembles. In 2015, he recorded his first solo album called Dream Songs with the support from the Alberta Foundation of the Arts, Jazz YYC, and Kickstarter campaigns, which reached a total of 137% funding goal. The project reached number five on the Canadian jazz charts on Apple iTunes. Also an accomplished teacher, Sean is on the faculty at the Mount Royal University Conservatory, has worked as a clinician for the Banff Center, the University of Calgary, and the Department of National Defense, and numerous other organizations. In addition to his creative performing and teaching work, Sean is the online sales and marketing coordinator for the world-renowned clarinet manufacturer, Bakun Musical Services. He obtained his Bachelor of Music degree in 2009 from the University of Calgary, where he studied with Steve Amsel. So I want to start with the question for you, Sean. What do you feel is missing from this? I feel like you're right. I didn't add any personality. Nothing is about my artistic interests in here at all. You've got some great credentials in there and some quirky things like, you know, the album. I'm so curious, like what's on that album? And it was interesting that you singled out like the details that you give us that sort of ground it the details of 137% of the funding goal, but then you tell us like how high the album ranked. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing that he has both of these statistics in there. And I thought, wow, how high it ranks for listeners, I think, you know, maybe is more, more interesting. The other thing is you're leading with the podcast, which is cool and would absolutely help distinguish you from you know other musicians bios but when you lead with that someone's going to be curious why is he doing that like what's the mission of that how is that connected to his performing the teaching right because there's a thread in here that these things all do belong together because my assumption is they are part of your mission of how you see music in the world that would be great to know. Yeah, so maybe it might be better to almost say like something about how the podcast influences people or why I started it or what it means to me or something like that. Yeah. And what's kind of cool, I mean, you don't have to, but it's it'd be interesting to know how the podcast has influenced the other work that you do and how the other work influences the podcast because Everything in life is like that. It's connected in some way. And your thought about the album is so interesting, too, because I've never read that from the perspective of somebody else. And I guess it would be interesting to know that it was arrangements I did of Chick Corea and Philip Glass songs for clarinet and marimba. <laughs> this is so, so typical. You start asking people like details and then like the real story comes out and it's like, well, come on, that's interesting. And I'm actually playing marimba on two of the tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So come on. This is so typical that people are hiding the good stuff, right? I think one way to think about this is it's sort of like the quirky revealing details help us see you as a human being. And what you said that you hadn't thought about from the reader's point of view, that is the absolute biggest challenge with promotional materials. It's about getting outside of our own ego and just trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the reader. Now, that's the tricky thing with bios is we have different types of readers. We might have, you know, someone who's a presenter that you're pitching a concert idea to. 
it might be a funder, it might be a collaborator or a conductor, or, you know, whatever. And you're thinking, hmm, those people are all looking for slightly different things. But the common ground is they all want to get a sense of what makes you tick. So you can't go wrong with that. You know, for the various versions of the bio that you're going to need, right, some are going to, because of the context, want to emphasize more education than others, right? Some are more, you know, orchestral performance. Do you think about that? What do you think of as the biography basically being like a sales letter? The way I talk about this is a bio should be basically a call to action. And for most people, if we're talking about a bio on a musician's webpage, the call to action is to get the reader to click play, to actually sample the music. And from that, you know, maybe they're going to contact you. They might buy an album. They might want to book a lesson, whatever it is. So you want to think about what's the action you want someone to take. And if it's a version of your bio that someone's going to read right before you walk out on stage, there still is a call to action. You're hoping that that person is going to be excited to hear you play and be curious about you as a human. So maybe go backstage and have a conversation with you afterwards. Yeah, it's also humanistic. It has to be a list of accomplishments, but marketed as something that would excite you to continue that list, I guess, is a way of maybe thinking about it. You know, like this person's done all these cool things. What else can they do? Right. Right. And a lot of times less is more, you know, because you have a lot of credentials in there. And if you want to make room to tell us a little bit more behind a couple of the projects, you don't want to have, you know, three times the length. So you might need to judiciously prune some of that stuff. I know for many musicians, this feels like, oh my God, I can't possibly take that out. I had a flutist who came to see me when I was working at New England Conservatory to get help with her resume for um, orchestral audition. And she wanted the feedback, at least ostensibly, that's what she said, but she showed me this resume that was so packed said tiny, you know, typeface she was using, like almost no margins. It was wall-to-wall text. So I just said, you know, you've got stuff here that's really impressive stuff, but it's jammed right next to things that aren't so impressive. What would you think about taking out a few of these listings here so that people could really see the impressive stuff? She would, would hear none of that. She wouldn't take out anything it was really something because, again, it's someone's ego at stake. I'm reading a book right now about how to produce better video. And one of the things it was talking about was the title. And you want to make sure that the title of a video, for example, is searchable or, or practical, like how to play clarinet. And then the second part of the title should be something that grabs attention, like how to play clarinet, five easy tips, something that's like, ooh, that draws me in. And the other point which is relevant here is he said there's two types of video, that which gets watched and off. Like people don't stay with boring video. So you have to keep it engaging through the entire video or else people just move on. So to what uh, extent do you think both of those things apply? Like the searchability, Google friendliness of your bio, and also the thing that keeps people reading? 
Well, realistically, no one's going to stumble on your bio unless they're stumbling on you. Someone has said something about you and they say, oh, you should check out Sean. You should check out his podcast. And you go to the. So you don't think that's a thing, basically. Like, I've often worried that if I leave out terms like, you know, Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, if I leave that out, then I'm somehow losing Google traffic or, or something like that. No, I don't think of it that way because, you know, what you alluded to, the part that really does matter is once someone is on your site and they get to the about page, can you keep them reading past two sentences? And this is about grabbing someone's attention and connecting with them on some human level. And most bios don't make it past a first sentence. It's like people are out of there. I love that. So you know what? You have an online course we talked about just before we went on air. Would you maybe go into a little bit about what that's like or even how people, if they want to work with you, can get in touch? And, and I think that there's a lot of people listening who are probably like, man, this is, this is interesting. I'd like you know, my career visited a little bit in this, in this way. So I'm, I'm a music career coach and I, all of my clients are online. I work privately one-on-one with clients, but I also do small group coaching and that's for individual musicians. We do coaching sessions in two hour blocks. So each member of the four gets 30 minutes of focused coaching, and then they get the benefit of hearing each other and hearing how their colleagues are working through challenges. And the support within the group is just amazing. So I I love doing that. Those are my power groups. But the courses that I've been teaching are specifically for, because I've found a lot of musicians need help in this area, for musicians who are looking for college teaching jobs. And so I created a course called the CB Master Course because most people really miss the mark when it comes to preparing a full version of a CV for these kinds of jobs. And I recently added new components like a mini add-on seminar on cover letters and one on teaching philosophy statements because college teaching jobs are so competitive and people who are applying for these things generally, I would say fairly clueless. I know I was when I was first applying for these kinds of jobs. And until you've been on the other side of the table and started interviewing people and seeing lots of these CVs, most people just don't have perspective. So it's been fascinating because teaching in an online format where we use a closed Facebook group too, when people are sharing and getting feedback from each other. It's been great to see how helpful and generous and open people are. So it just gives me such hope for the future of music. Just anybody can book or how does it work? People who who want coaching, they, you know, contact me and we discuss that. What happens with the power groups is individuals who are interested in working in that kind of setting, then I put them together in groups. It's sort of like a facilitated mastermind, I guess is what I would say. I love that. So in addition to the book, I want to invite people to check out your website at AngelaBeaching.com. I'll put a link in the show note page of this episode. And you also have a really great Monday newsletter. Could you tell me a bit about that and maybe why people should sign up? I write this blog post every Monday uh, called Monday Bites. It's a very bad pun. 
But the good thing about it is because I put the name Monday in it, it has forced me for, I don't know, eight years now, I guess, to crank it out. And I learned so much in the process. I think it's not unlike a commitment like a podcast. It's a kind of ongoing conversation. And people often write in with topics that they'd like to have covered. People can sign up on my website. In fact, they go to my website. You can get my uh, five-step startup guide for Roadmap to Your Career Future. And I do a weekly Facebook Live. Our Facebook group is Musicians Making It. And just anybody can join that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, great. You go to the site, you just click to join, and as long as I can see that you are a musician, and that's great. I'm going to join that right after this call for sure. That sounds awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sean. If you're listening to this episode on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you happen to get your podcast for free, the episode will end here. But if you're checking it out on Patreon as a member, I want to thank you for your support. But you're also going to get access to a few extra extended lightning round questions here. So thanks to those listening to this on iTunes. And uh, Angela, before we go, anything last to say to the audience? Oh, just keep going. The world needs your music. Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you'd like to send me a guest suggestion, want to be a guest yourself, have some feedback, or just want to say hi, you can contact me directly at feedback at clarinet.com. If you'd like the show and would love to get access to more of it, you can do this at clarinet.com slash subscribe, where you can join for as little as $1 a month and get access to extended ad-free versions of the podcast. I'd like to give a special thank you to all 64 current Patreon backers, and especially our gold backers who are contributing over $10 a month. We've got Glenn. Glenn K, David S, Andrew M, William L, Miguel D, Debbie A, Patty S, Josh N, and Karen K. And I'd love to add your name to that list next time. So check it out at clarinet.com slash subscribe. Of course, also a special thank you to our sponsors who make this entire season possible. We've got Bakun Musical Services, and you can get 10% off your next purchase. And yes, this does include everything from the mouthpieces all the way up to the carbon clarinets at bakunmusical.com. So take advantage of the code. It's clarinet at bakunmusical.com. Of course, we've also got Legere Reads, and these are used not only by a lot of fantastic artists around the world, but from everyone from marching bands to young students who are just beginning to take their mind off the reads and put it into the music. So you can check more about these great reads that are made in Canada at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. And last but not least, we've got Encoda, and it's a new app that lets you stream, practice, and perform tens of thousands of music scores, kind of like Netflix or Spotify, but for sheet music. You can check it out at Encoda.com. That's N-K-O-D-A dot com. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I look forward to seeing you next time for more of what's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry on the Clarinet Podcast. Mm-hmm.